So if you're new here, we haven't been here for a little while, we've been unpacking what faith is and the power of faith and what it is to do and how it is to inform us and how we live our lives. And if, who's been following it online, the two or three hour marathons that we've been delivering up? Plenty of food there, eh? You know, so, and that's the nature of the Father. There is an abundance every day to go over how many times? A truckload of times because he feeds 15,000 people with a couple of loaves and some fish and then there's leftovers. That's the nature of God. It should always be full and overflowing because that's who God is. So I really hope that you've been tracking this in the spirit and starting to understand because everything leads up to something else. It's all in alignment to something. Nothing is separated because God is building a house. He's building a church and he builds her block by block. And so we've been selected in this particular time in history to be the church in our generation that would also be raising up another generation and generations on this earth because God is working to a prophetic timeline. He's outside of time, but we're not. And he's working to this prophetic timeline where there's a day coming where he's returning. Only the Father knows the day he's returning. That is to be a day that excites us because we're ready and we are the people who have been made ready. So we're full of hope, full of life, full of energy, full of light, full of power and can't wait because we know it's our next step into our life in Christ. Because when you die, you don't die. You're alive and well. And this is why we also must share Christ with the lost because when they die, they're alive and well. So then it becomes about where are we spending our eternity, in Christ, with Christ, or away from Christ, in darkness, ultimately in the lake of fire. So I'm really hoping that this faith, you're being stirred, that your faith, which is more precious than gold, which is the thing, we're going to look at this today, that faith is what overcomes the world. So faith overcomes the enemy, the culture of the world, your flesh. So to not have faith means you'll probably be overcome by the enemy, the culture of the world, your flesh. So faith isn't this wishy-washy thing. It's a powerful, powerful substance of knowledge in God that enables us to overcome those three elements. Jesus said, I, Jesus Christ, build my church. It is not your church, man. It is my church. I build my church on the basis of my word, my spirit and truth. And I build my church in an alignment to my pattern. And the church I build overcome, overpower the gates of Hades. So the gates of Hades, the demonic the culture, the world, and the flesh do not, do not overcome my people. My people overcome those things because they have this thing called faith. They have a knowledge of me and a growing knowledge of me and everything within me, now and future now promises, and they live not towards, from faith. So Paul said, I... Old man have been crucified. I no longer live. The life I live, I live by faith 
in the new person who bore me, the Christ. So Paul is saying, I, self, no longer lives. To fully enter into faith, I can no longer live. So who I was born into, my sin and iniquity, my will, has to perish. Otherwise, Gregson nor I, the source of my life, will start to define what faith is. I'll be the one that defines it. I'll think, I'll think, but I need to receive a reality for me to know. And so I needs to get crucified by the sword of the Spirit for it to die. Then God wants to infuse us with a brand new source called himself. So I is no longer getting in the way. I'm no longer in the way of me because I've been born of a brand new spirit and I died. So my will, not what I do, my will that wants to control my life and determine everything got crucified. Just like Paul. Because Paul received Jesus Christ in him. He received the eternal gospel in his heart and it killed him as Saul. And he got born as Paul. And so then he started to understand and learn by faith what it was to live as Paul, who he was predestined to be before the foundations of the earth. So you and I need to die to who you were, because you're not to be a modified version of what you were born into. You're to be a brand new creation. And the next step is then to figure out with God, because you come as a child knowing nothing, what it actually is to be changed from the inside out through the power of spirit and truth. So then this whole realm opens up and you start living by faith in the eternal, not the natural. So you start seeing the eternal reality, which is the kingdom of God now, and you start living in accordance to it. You get free from you. You get free from one another. You get free from the physical priorities and all the bloodline stuff that actually creates this sort of a life-sucking reality where we need one another to function. We need one another in our lives because I can't do without. Because I'm needy, God says, I want to heal that heart, fill that heart, release that heart so you can be free and live with me, in me, for me, and one another. So then you're free to love like I love. By faith. So it's powerful. I really hope you're grasping the magnitude. This is not something that's wishy-washy that you hope Jesus is going to come through for you on. That's not faith. At best, that's trust. But faith overcomes the devil, puts all the devil excuses in the bin. Okay? All the excuses we use, the devil, the devil, go in the bin. When you live by faith. Because you got authority. He hasn't. You know your authority. He'll still try and deceive you. But because you're the one with authority and truth, because you're seeing, you just stand there and resist. Because he has no hold or power over you. What about your own flesh? What about the culture of the world? Oh my goodness, what's on the iPhones these days? 
what's happening, the gender issue, this issue, that issue, this issue, that issue, that issue, all the issues. The world are going to do what the world are going to do. They've always done what they've always done. Jesus didn't come here to change Caesar. He came to build his house. So those that Jesus builds by spirit and truth overcome because faith is growing. Thoughts, guys? And then we might get to the scripture. Any, you want to add anything to that? I uh, just, <clears throat> I think it's it's massive, eh? And I, it, just as you're sharing to me, it's like it, this is so much bigger than just being saved from sin, so that we can go to heaven when we die. You know, this is an an overcoming life, and because of what we've seen because of faith that's been infused and implanted into us, we're all of a sudden living for something that's so much bigger than this earth, eh? you know? And so to me, the overcoming, it is sin, but it's not just sin, you know? It's it's everything. It's it's all of the, any other influence, any other love, you know, any other passions or desires get realigned and reorientated towards him and put back in their rightful place, eh? you know? Um, so it's a complete, to me, a complete restructuring of our entire inner realm to now be centered and aligned to him, who he is, what his purposes are, which is so much bigger than just our own little lives now. You know? Chris used these two words last Sunday, if you were listening, reverse engineering. I don't want to put you on the spot, but can you unpack that for people if they didn't hear it? Just <clears throat> Yeah, it was, just a, it was just a phrase that I heard that, that really, while it it talks to something natural, was just an example of something which is out of this world to me. So this faith that we're talking about is the reverse engineering tie into this is that when you have sight of what it is that God has already done and is calling us into, you live from that, not towards that. And it's, you know, we hear Greg often talking about living from Christ and not towards Christ, and it sounds a bit it can be hard to grasp intellectually, but I was thinking about it like this this morning. When you, when you have a have an acorn and you want to plant an oak tree in your in your garden, you think about the space that it's going to grow in because you already know what an oak tree looks like when it reaches maturity. So you don't plant it in a in a pot and put it in your doorway, or you don't plant it, you know, under an awning. You plant it somewhere because you have sight of what this finished thing is going to look like because you're Beautiful. seeing beyond what's present. And and for me, this reverse engineering is that, that we... And, and this is why the scripture is so massive because it says whatever is born of God. And that, for me, is the kicker. This We can't do this. This has to be born of God. And so when this is born of God, when God gives you sight to see... You live from what it is that you've seen. And you're basically filling the gap in between. I'm here and this is, this is the end result. And there's a space in between that lives in accordance with that, not this. And what was the, what was the phrase? Greg had a different way for it. Um, you got some words. We said it afterwards on, um, Sunday. You, we could have videoed the, the last 20 minutes after we finished as well. You know, it just keeps going. Um, my, my tomorrow determines my today. Oh, that one, yeah. Yeah. What, did, what was your vision of that? My future creates for me a glorious past. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so naturally we go, 
my today determines my tomorrow. So if I do my exercises now, I'm going to be healthy tomorrow. But actually, when I know what my tomorrow is, it affects my today. Yeah. And that's the reverse engineering. And that challenges us because God, God always speaks in absolutes. So he speaks from his reality, doesn't he? He's full and overflowing. So he speaks to us from that place. That's why he calls us sons before we live as sons. But you need to grow and become a son who lives like a son. So you get the son's reward. So just to know you're a son and not live as a son is to not be able to receive the fullness of sonship because you're actually living as a slave, even though you're a son. Are you tracking? Okay. So God always speaks from absolute. He speaks from the finished work. But we, on the other hand, are in process. So when we can see the finished work, receive it through power within us, you start living from the finished work even though you're in process and you're maturing because you've seen who you're becoming and you live as who you are, as how he says you are, not what you or others tell you you are, which is your flesh. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. God says you are, you are, you are. God called them friends before they were living as friends, correct? Funny friend that denies you and betrays you. The when friend means covenantal partner. So were they in covenant with him? Not fully because the blood hadn't been spilt. And blood needs to be spilled for there to be a covenant. But in the future, he saw them, you're my covenant partners. So he said, you're my friends. But they weren't living as friends. So he never addresses your past or your present first. He addresses your future. And then he comes into your present and says, right, now we have to do some work. Because unless your present gets changed, your promise will never actually become your reality. And that's where the battle is because that's where he comes and says, that thing, that thing, you're still the Lord of your life, Greg. You're still in the beginning as Greg, not in the beginning as the word. You've incorporated me in, but I'm not in and you in me and I in you. I'm in you, but you're not in me, son. So there's a deeper work and that's when we're challenged at the core because that's a loss of the C word, control. Whoa. He goes, until we deal with that, we're just playing games. You're going through a form of godliness, but you're not in godliness. I want you in godliness because godliness is profitable for this life and the life to come. A former godliness isn't. It's just going through motions, looking the part, but not being able to live the part. And God doesn't want you looking the part. He wants you living the part and you coming into why he died and rose again. And this is this power of, of faith. So let's just go there. 1 John 5. And we're just going to talk about 4 and 5. But look, guys, I would encourage you to read the entirety of 1 John. 2 John, 3 John. The man is in a reality and he declares it. 
But he says this, 1 John 5 verse 4, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Now, once again, can you hear the absolute in the very first line? For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is our challenge because we go, I'm a child of God. Are you a child of God? Are you born of the Spirit? Then God says, my children overcome the world. Here is the absolute for you. You overcome the world. But there's a big if. If you're in me. If you do it my way. If, if, if. You're my friend if you keep the commandments. And that if is powerful because it's one thing to say you're a child of God. And if you're saying you're a child of God, then you're predestined to overcome the world. We can go, oh yeah, I'm a child of God, and then the world overcomes us. And God is for us, isn't he? Do you believe that? Everything he does is for you. It's not to hurt you. So when God comes to rebuke you, is it for you? If God sends someone to you to rebuke you in love, is that for you? Do you receive that as for you? Or does your flesh manifest? Because your flesh has you rather than the Spirit of God in you. See, your life is the evidence of where you're really at in God. Don't look any further than what you can or can't live or what you live. You will manifest what is in you, but God is covering you. But don't take that and go, that's okay. Because he wants what's on the inside, him coming out of you, which is Christ in you coming out of you, so people receive Christ, not Greg Simnor. Even in the good and the bad. God doesn't want Greg Simnor coming out doing a good act and people thinking it's Greg Simnor. People want, God wants God coming out of Greg so people go, that's God. So he wants to make it almost impossible for me to do a righteous work, yeah? So I don't get the glory. He does. That's impossible. How did you love me like that? Because it's not me loving you. It's Christ in me because I overcome your flesh. Because my flesh has been overcome by love. So we've got to confront every absolute in the living scriptures because it's absolutes bring absolute life. The power of the absolute brings you into a realm that overcomes the demonic, the flesh, the culture, the world. Any thoughts, guys? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a such a powerful passage, and I, and I was just reading this thing that immediately jumped out for me, and it says, "For whatever is born of God overcomes the world," and this is the part that really struck me. It says, "And this is the victory that has overcome the world," and it's there's like a little dash in the Nasby. It's almost like a like like a stalling moment, hey, you know? It's like, and this is the victory that has overcome the world. And I feel like for most of church history, it's the victory that has overcome the world is Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. And that is true. You know, it's absolutely right, but it says here, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. 
You know, and I thought, man, in, interesting, eh? You know, yes, Jesus did overcome the world 2,000 years ago. He hung on a cross. He died and he rose again. But John is saying here that the victory that has overcome the world is our faith. You know, and, and to me, I just, I just remember growing up, coming along to, to services and hearing about, um, you know, what Jesus had overcome, his death and resurrection, and always wondering, should I, should I appreciate that more than I actually do? Like, I know that is the case, but I always, I took comfort in the fact that I thought that other people understood what that meant and loved it and valued it even though I didn't. <laughs> and then over time I started to realize, oh, people don't understand what that means either and neither do I. <laughs> so I was in a bit of a tricky position, you know, and I, I won't get into, you know, my, a whole story of what that looked like, but I think just in reading this, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith, you know, that that we know that Jesus has overcome the world and we believe that, but but faith is, the, to me, it's like the, the reason why faith overcomes the world is because faith takes what Jesus did and makes it real inside of us, so that Jesus' death and resurrection isn't just an event that took place 2,000 years ago like Mike was sharing this morning. It's actually a living reality because we have gone from death to life on the inside. And so the overcoming of the world, what overcomes is now this revelation life, this ability to see the unseen, the ability to see the eternal, that actually we have overcome the world because we have partaken and participated of that very death and resurrection. We've entered into faith. And now we overcome the world. So the victory that overcomes the world is not just what Jesus did for us. It's what now, it's what we see and what he's done within us that we now live from. So we live from, the, um, you know, we live from the completed work, like you were saying, Chris, as opposed to towards something hoping that he'll do. We live from what he's already done, you know. Because so. you're partaking of the overcomer. So he overcomes. I mean, it is clear. We can't overcome anything in our flesh. But we have one who overcame all things. So when you partake of the overcomer spiritually, and you eat his flesh, which is true food, and you drink his blood, which is true drink, you have life in you. And that life in you enables you to overcome like he overcame. Are you, is it, is your life hidden in Christ or are you still separated from Christ? See, this challenges us and it challenges all our religious thinking around, I'm just a mere human being that can't do anything. And it's all about Jesus. And the gap between Jesus and me is massive. That is a religious mindset that needs to be smashed. We are called to be co-heirs. We are called to be in Christ. I'm no longer called to be Greg and God. Hear me? I'm not saying I'm God, but I am called to be Christ-like. And my life is to be hidden in God so you no longer see Greg, you see God. So everything Greg says is God. Every thought Greg has is God. That's the process of maturity, that I become perfect like my heavenly father is perfect because I'm in faith in Jesus Christ. I'm one with, becoming one with, we are one. It's the two becoming one, which doesn't start at a man and a wife. It starts with the church and Christ. 
And then it goes to a man and a wife. And all that is done through the power of the Holy Spirit who engraves the food and the blood on our hearts and our minds so we come into the life so I just live from the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm not trying to do the work. I'm not learning. I'm not mustering up. It's happening in me and to me because I am a man of faith because I died and I've learned in Christ the Spirit how he grows me up. And so this reality is that we are to be overcomers because he overcame. Now it's time. It's not like you, you know, you, you pray a prayer and all of a sudden, bingo, you're the maturity of, you know. But in time, in time and time, we're growing. And so we're becoming and living in the freedom because we are people of faith. I love that I, you can't do it. We can't do it by ourselves. This isn't us. This is not something that we're going to muster up. Um, you know, every week I say this, but the, the standout passage for me through this whole um, series has been Jesus, the author and perfecter, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, you know, when you think of a, a tree or a seed, the tree is going to produce after its own kind. So the seed that has its origins in God is going to produce God-like fruit, which is... In this case, overcoming. Um, you know, I was reading uh, Hebrews 11, the classic passage on faith, because it talks about people that have seen this. And I just saw this, and everyone might have already read this, but it says, What more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and of David and Samuel and all the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtain promises this it takes faith to work righteousness and to obtain promises and that that for me is ground zero you go you know we see these massive things of stopping the mouths of lions or subduing kingdoms but he's actually talking about the just living by faith Mm -hmm. that christianity 101 is living from the seed of god that's found in us So as you were talking about, you know, Jesus and us being separate, and I, I kind of just see as the cross not only just closed the gap, but then he breathed into his disciples, and, and he actually said, I think, to Mary, you know, don't touch me because I have to um, ascend, um, but something better is coming, and that's the spirit, and that will be within you. So not only does he close the gap, but he causes us to become one. And I love it because in, in John 16... Um, verse 33, he says, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. And peace, the, the beautiful thing about peace is that it makes two into one, and it closes the gap, and it causes a oneness. And remember, we've spoken about this before, what peace does is it holds all things together, reconciled, it brings things together as one. And so he says, you know, in me you may have peace. And and then it's like full stop. And I just felt the other day like the spirit was just like full stop. In me you have peace. Yet in the world you will have tribulation, 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 (laughs) tribulation. So in the world you will have tribulation, but in me you will have peace. And then he says, be of good cheer. 
I have overcome the world. And so when we look at John and what he's saying here, he's uttering the same words as Christ, but instead of saying Jesus, because Jesus is within him and he is overcoming that he can say that, right? He can say um, we can overcome in the victory because of Christ in us, he can say by faith. But it's by faith that we believe that Christ in us, oneness has caused us to become one, that we live from that to overcome. But how do we know if we're one with him? We'll know his peace. In him, we have peace. Him in us is peace. In the world, there will be tribulation. So it doesn't discard that there will be tribulation. It just means tribulation doesn't overcome us. We overcome it because of him in us. Mm. And like the word peace, it literally means wholeness, eh? Yes. Is what the literal translation means. And, and to me, I just put such a an, an emphasis on peace isn't necessarily the situation around us changing, you know, it's not that the home is more quiet, you know, or that the kids are less ruckus, or that National and Labour stop having debates on the TV, you know, like this, none of that should have any bearing on peace, because it's Christ's literal life within us, his wholeness manifesting in us and through us, it has nothing to do with the tribulation going on yes. on the outside. And in fact, peace should bear on those things. Do you know what I mean? And that's the church overcoming, the church pushing back the gates of Hades. Christ in us should be bearing and actually impressing on things around us, not things, you know, impressing on us. Yep. For me, that also gives a different definition to what it might mean to overcome as well because when we think of overcoming you might think oh we're always going to win in every situation except Stephen was stoned Christ went to his death but he had peace in the process no one took his life he gave it and I think you have to define a win by the kingdom of God not the kingdom of the world so he did win to be able to be stoned to death and say father forgive them and not hold the sin is a massive win of where I'm at in Christ, isn't it? But the flesh is losing. But in the spirit, the man is winning. See, that everything is a win in God, isn't it? So whenever we think that's a loss and it's God, it's because we are coming from our flesh. We had, we had a chat about this the last Sunday night. I said, is sacrifice a negative or a positive? And depending on how you think about that will depend on what you receive. Lay your life down so you can have life. Lose it for life. So if you don't lose it, you don't get life because if losing it's a negative, then you hang on to you. So it's all about the way in which we actually hear and think. And so if our flesh is still controlling us, it'll overcome us. And we will hear the spiritual word through the flesh and we won't be able to overcome. We'll be overcome. Even if your spirit's willing, your flesh will eat you up because it's still living. It still has a heartbeat. Your soul, your will needs to be crucified so the dung, 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 you flatlined. This is the challenge. And what this challenge is, and there's two things I just want to share. One, it's okay to be overcome by your flesh, the demonic, and the world. But God doesn't want you to stay there. 
Children make mistakes. Children fall over. Children get themselves in trouble. Adults get themselves in trouble, do we not? Right. So we're going to make mistakes. We're going to stuff it up. We're going to say one thing and live the opposite. But God is covering us going, come on, son, this is all good, but I've actually given you life to overcome, to be the demonstration of me now because I also want to take you into the future and reign with me. We're going to look at this. We're looking at it, but we're going to look at it. And so it's okay, but we need to grow up. We can't stay on milk our entire lives, guys. We can't stop living for ourselves our entire lives and expect to be in life. Peter couldn't lay his life down, even though he said he could. Do you know why? He hadn't died. What do you need to lay your life down for the person beside you? Love. But you can't get love until you die. Correct? You can't resurrect someone who's living, can you? If you nurture the flesh, the flesh will never be killed in you. If you nurture it and give it life and feed it, it's going to overcome you because you're feeding your flesh. Romans 8.14 says it's the spirit that needs to overcome the flesh. But if the flesh is being fed and the spirit's not, you're just hoping on a wish, on a wish and, a, and, a, and, a, and a prayer that God's going to do something. Instead of partaking and allowing him into the recesses of your being called your soul and allowing him to put his finger on the dong dong, dong dong. What just happened? The sword pierced and killed your soul, your will. Now I want to renew your mind and I want to change your emotions to be in alignment to my truth. So if we're not on that process, then we will be overcome by the demonic. He'll have a field day with you, literally. Because he'll just throw lies at you and you don't know who you are, so you believe lies. People will say, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, you're fat, you're ugly, you're this, you've got stupid hair, you've got buck teeth, you've got this, that. you never go blah, 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 whatever it is. And the loudest voice will consume you because you don't have someone greater and you loud enough to go, no, this is who I am. So your flesh hears it, eats it, it's the seed of death takes it in and it causes death. So if the seed is heard that creates life, but you're hearing seeds that are death, then you have the effect of death operating in you, not life, correct? Because it's a principle that works. If you hear seeds of death and receive them, then death grows in you. No different to life. If you hear the truth, the seed, because it's two seeds, yeah? The seed of truth, the seed of the lie. The devil comes and says to God, throw yourself off. Psalm 85. It says it in here. Do it. What does Jesus say? Shut up. <laughs> That's the and version. <laughs> if it was there. But what does he say? What's written? Thou shalt not put the law that God says. Well, do you know that? 
Like, do you know if the enemy comes up and throws something, do you, have you got the armor, the truth to be able to fight in that battle? Or you got no armor, so you don't know, so you go, oh really? Okay. Because it was quoted out of Psalms. This is how crafty he is. He quotes this. He knows this better than the church. He said, it's written. Jesus said, it's written. If he knows what's written and you don't, then you're turning up to a battle with no armor and no weapon. He's going, pop, you're dead. Next, pop, you're dead. Next, pop, you're dead. Pop, ooh. Ooh. This is one's coming at me now. He's standing firm. He's pressing, and I've got to leave him. He knows who he is. He's a man of faith. I'm out of here. He's got authority over me. Are you hearing? This is what faith does. But it's in the person. So we keep coming back to, are you in the person? And what we're preaching and what we have been preaching and what we're going to continue to preach challenges all the religiosity, guys. It challenges all the upbringing with Christ. Knowing the stories, knowing the scriptures, but not knowing the person of it all. It challenges every aspect of a former godliness, not to make you feel bad, but to show you it's a form of godliness, and it's not going to bring you into life. So how does he actually make us aware of what we're in? He has to send people to talk a reality of what it is, so we have a reference for our not, and go, that's different. And then the challenge is whether I want to allow what I'm hearing, if it is of God, to go on a journey of discovery. But when we're all too busy, you're too busy for the Word of God. Really? What are you doing? Like, what are you doing if you're too busy for God? Do you want me to know what you're doing? You're missing out on who you created to be. You're missing out on everything you were designed for because you're too busy. You're too busy in you. And God loves us, man. I, I've never met anyone like him that continues to love. While I continue to actually tell him in my heart, I don't love you. Because that's what I'm telling him. If I'm too busy for God, I love me. Fair call? And that truth, you have to allow yourself to look in the mirror and go, you got me, truth. Love is covering me, but you got me today. And that house has to come down. Because until that's a reality, we won't be a people of faith. Because I am still going to actually control it all. I will determine how I read this, how I hear, how I think, what I do, what I don't do. Look, I'll be committed. I just won't be surrendered. There's plenty of committed Christians. The problem is not our commitment. It's our surrender. Surrender must define your commitment. Because being committed is you're ultimately being committed to yourself. And you'll determine and define what you will and won't do. 
by the level of cost to you. Yep, I'll serve you once a week at the rock, once a month. Don't ask any more. I'm committed. Yep, well done. You're just not surrendered. Because you've got to lose, what, an hour? You've got to lose you. How do I lose me? All I know is me. But I'll do some things for you. Yeah, I, I, I cool, but I don't need that. I want your heart. But no, 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 you understand. I, I'll go preach the gospel. I'll go save the planet over that. Mate, I can do that. I want your heart. I want all of your heart because I want you to love me with all of who you are because until you do... You're absolutely dividing your heart up and you're never going to come into the life I have for you because you will choose the other things that you've given your heart to. And that's where you'll I'll find you because I'm too busy loving on my kids. Why are you loving your kids more than God? If you are, you're not worthy of him. Are you, guys, are we tracking what is being preached? There is a divine eternal reality being declared here for every single one. But if we can't hear it and we're not going one and one equals two, oh my goodness, he's saying, if I love a kid, a wife, my life, a position, more than him, I'm not worthy of something. I would want to know what I'm not worthy of because it means I'm missing out on something. It means where my heart is, my treasure is. So if I love another person, that's where my heart is because that's what I treasure. Correct? To just let this wash over you would be to stay in what you're already in. To not do anything what I'm saying and what we're saying, not just today, is to just stay the same. You were not born with blood to stay the same. You were born for royalty. You were born to fall in love, to marry Christ, to be one with Christ, the creator of it all, to know love and freedom and life and light, just to mention a few things, to then be able to minister to other people with life, light and life because you're so free of every single person and every possession and you're able to be an administrator of this kingdom on earth for however long we've got on earth then you transition into this next kingdom called a millennial kingdom for a thousand years after that then you transition into a new heaven and a new earth where you're going to spend your eternity and bond servants revelation 22 the bible says have a name written on their forehead see his face and serve him That's what you've been called for. Are you a bond servant? Or are you too busy? Are you a servant of yourself? I'm not trying to be horrible. I'm trying to bring a reality because we would know because this is life and death. You get one shot. One. Many people never come into it. Many people can't get past themselves. Many people don't know him well enough, revelation, to be able to live what I'm saying. But he came. He then sent his spirit. 
This spirit is right here today. I can sense him in me. I sense the fire coming out of me. I'm trying my best to stay very level-headed and calm. But I know what's coming. I know what I'm releasing right now. I know the word that's coming out of me right now is a sword. I know what true repentance does. You leave where you were and you never come back. It's not a sorry, God. It's I'm never going back. And I turn and I enter into life, repentance, life. Paul said, I didn't want to bring sorrow. I did, but I didn't. But I know what repentance does. It brings godly sorrow, which brings life. Now I can live by faith in the one who died and rose again because I'm in resurrected life, faith. I'm now joining all those who have gone before me. The disciples pre-Acts had no faith, correct? You need to know this, because I could just lie to you right there. What does this say? It says they had no or little faith. Go have a look. Then all of a sudden they're writing about faith. What happened between there and there? A whole lot of people died. The people who had no faith died. But you can minister in signs and wonders and have little faith. Because Peter did. So it's not about that. It's about coming into a reality that God has for us so we can become the fullness and the full stature of a people group called the church, not a place we attend on a Sunday. We become who we've called to become. But you've got to lose you who you are. I had to lose Greg Simnor and find who I was in Christ. And I'm still discovering who I am in Christ. But I know I'm not the same guy. What about you? But it's by faith. So then we can overcome this, this, the demonic, it's a war, guys. Do you know you're in a war? The war of the flesh? Your greatest enemy is your inner me. The way you used to think is still getting in the way of how you're supposed to think. The heartbeat attitudes of the old are still getting in the way. The priorities, the passions where you'll spend your time, energy, they're getting in the way of you becoming who he's predestined you to be. And it doesn't have to be like this. Because he came and he died. He said, I've rose again. I've entered behind the veil. Do you want to come and follow me? I just want to say sum that up as well and just say it in another way so that it can be maybe heard differently. Um, you know, what I'm hearing is the truth that sets us free. And and I, I just, I hear Greg say this all the time and I know it can be easy to miss that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ. So whatever state that we find ourselves in, when the words that are the truth that say, I find you loving this more than you love me, this is for us every one of us, so that when he comes to the door and knocks, we go, oh, it's true. And we don't keep the door closed and we don't disregard it, but we open the door and go, come in, Lord, and have your way, because we 
journey this out the same way that we entered in. It's not by what it is that we've done. And so the most liberating thing in him is to go, God, I'm naked and transparent before you, and I'm found loving this more than I'm loving you. Have your way in my life and do what only you can do. And this is why I keep saying he's the author and the perfecter. He wrote the story. He starts it. He's the one that gives us sight to see. So when he does the work, he gets the glory. If we hear this and go, I'm loving something more than you, God, so I'm going to try harder. I'm going to stop doing that and pray more or whatever that looks like. That's not what he's saying. That's not the love of God. That's the work of man. And that's why this passage that says whatever is born of God overcomes the world. It's not whatever is born of Chris. Chris is just going to try a bit harder and fail more spectacularly later on. But God isn't like that. He, he says, I promise you, rest for yourselves. Take my yoke. Come into me. Dine with me. Partake of what it is that I've got. So this is the message that's going out this morning, that there's complete freedom. There's love. We heard it this morning. The Father's saying, I love you so much that I'm speaking what's true in love with grace and freedom for you to recognize it, for us to recognize it, to acknowledge it, and allow him to do the work then it grows because it came from him. That's right. And, you know, we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. And he sent his son, he manifested himself to us. Right? That's love. Love manifested himself to us and sent his son, his only begotten son, to us so that he could live through us. And I just I just feel to really reiterate that point of like, he's not asking us to love in any other way than to receive and know the love of God that takes deep root in us. And that by, by knowing this love that Ephesians, I think, just describes so beautifully, it... That love conquers us. We actually become conquered by this love. And what it does is it, it, it causes the manifestation of him in us, that we know him in a manifested love. That when John says, um, this we tell you with our own eyes we've seen, with our own ears we've heard, yeah. as believers who know the love of God, we should all be able to profess the same thing, this love that I know that I've seen with my own eyes, heard with my own ears. This is a personal love that's been made manifest. And that's why he sent his son, is to manifest himself to us, but that that he could live through us. And it's love manifested through us, you know. It's love manifest manifested in us as well. Okay, so love is formed in you. So it's not there today, gone tomorrow, because it comes through no. you. So, so we need to know it. Love is being manifested, built in us. So when it's required, it just comes out of you. Jesus never thought and went, "Oh, a bit of love today." He never went, "I'm having a really bad day. Help me, love." He is love. So when love is being formed in you, you just love. That's where it comes through you. Now, while that's happening, 
He will work his love through you where you're just a vessel, but it comes through you and out of you. So then you need both. Hear me? So the maturity is love is being formed in you through the power of his living word. So you're being matured to be able to love like Christ. Otherwise, how does Stephen go, Father, forgive them? He's not mustering up his own strength. Someone's killing you. Unless you have love in you, you can't love. That's a pretty mature love in Stephen, isn't it? Do you know that's possible for you? It's fully possible for you and I. Listen to Paul's words. This is 2 Corinthians 5, 14. For the love of Christ controls us. Now, God is love, isn't he not? So you can't separate the love of Christ away from Christ. For Christ controls me because Christ is love. Having concluded this, I've come to a conclusion because of love. That one died for all, therefore all died. And he died for all so that. You ready? They who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So have we come into that love where love is controlling us that we're no longer living for ourselves? Doesn't he say you will know them by the way they love one another? Not with their human love, with the love of the Father. And you'll know them by the way they lay their lives down for one another. So here's the challenge how many people on this side of the room need these people? And are you laying your life down for these people? Are you praying for them? Do you give your time, energy, your life for them, even though you may not even know who they are? But because you're one with them, because you're one with Christ, you live a life where you've laid your life down for other people. So you're no longer even thinking about you. Your prayer life isn't me, 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 me. The prayer life is revelation for the body of Christ. The prayer life is revelation for my brothers and sisters. The re- when the phone call comes and the curtain comes to go, you go. You actually have lost your life and you're living for the body. See, I know, I know that this is what God wants to do here. And I know where we are really at as a church because he shows me. And that's good because I need to know. And as an eldership, we need to know because we need to, we're shepherding where we're going. But I know there's a lot of loss that needs to happen. And I know there's a lot of life that needs to come for us to be the authentic church that the scriptures say we can be. I know he's covered us with his love. To uncover us. To do this work. Because love covers a multitude of sin. But you must be in love to cover sin. When sin is coming at you. Correct? And so this is how the family grows up. This is how he grows us. He puts us together. 
and the tension and the dynamics that are involved, if we want to be the real thing, is massive. If we truly want to be a people who are godly and not in forms of godliness, then you've got to all, we all have to lose our lives. And you can't do that unless you know them. So you need to get to know them. And unless you know them, you can't lose your life. So where are we going with that? But we can keep coming every week and do forms of godliness. Because I can tick that box, feel good about myself, but I'm sabotaging my own eternal life and my inheritance. To not enter into this is to sabotage who I'm called to be. Like, did you hear that? Like, I... I, We've got to hear a reality in the spirit that has you turning. Otherwise, you're looking at the bush going, I've got no idea why that thing's burning up and I'm going that way. It's, it's life or death. It ain't about coming to buildings. It ain't about singing songs. It's about being in Christ. And you were all, and we were predestined to be in Christ and to be a family. To put my physical over there. Pray like mad that my physical becomes my spiritual. Because I'm of the order of no genealogy. You're not my father. You're not my brother. Only those who do the will of my father are my family now. I'm set apart. I've left the physical bloodline. All the pressures, the bondage that goes with that. The expectation for him and for you that we would be and become the church. So Father, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that there would be a fear of the Lord in our hearts and our minds right now. There would be an overwhelming fear and a reverence, not a hiding in the corner fear, but an absolute reverence for who you are who you are, Father, what you have done for us, how you love us and what you are calling us to be and become and to be part of. Lord, I pray we would just let go of the things that hold, that we would take an active decision of trust this morning and just let go and let you in. And be real and honest and authentic. And just be open to be taught, to be broken. Knowing that breaking is creating life. Not death. You're just breaking the stuff we've built which is keeping us in our bondage. And not able to be free as kids. 
Lord, seal your word in our hearts. Seal it in our minds. Do what you need to do for every single person that's here this morning and that's listening. Because you're building a spotless, blameless, loving, royal priesthood who overcome, who reign in this earth and reign in the life to come. You love us, man. Burn your love within us. I pray we would burn for your love. Do what we can't do, Holy Spirit, and reveal within us, impart in us the Christ, the living Messiah, the resurrection and the life. Not a mental agreement with what a man did on a cross 2,000 years ago, Father, but the work of the power that took him from being dead to life in us. Baptize us in your power, Father. Fill us afresh today with your power. We need your power. I need your power, Lord of the Spirit, because my flesh cannot overcome the things I need to overcome. Only you and the Spirit and the power of the Spirit can. Raise up a church on this earth today that is the reflection of you in heart, soul, mind, and strength. Who knows you and loves people as you love them. Who will die for one another and a lost world. Who will love strangers with the love of heaven, not because they try, because they now can. And it becomes so natural and innate and not even a thought. God, you are the absolute God, and you speak in absolutes because that's who you are. So, Father, I honor you. We honor you. And I pray we would lay hold of what has been said today with both hands because you're laying hold of us. In Jesus' name.